it's the Creator Spaces Show. Welcome back to the Creator Spaces Show. And today, we're talking about online writing and category creation with Nicholas Cole. This conversation highlights the importance of building a library of work and committing to refining one idea. Let's get right into it. Do you consider yourself a creator? I, I don't know. The definition of that word has changed a lot. And I consider myself a writer, but a definition of that word is changing as well. How do we want to define it? I, I think that's the point of the question. Yeah, I think more and more the word creator means you're someone who is practicing in public and iterating quickly based on data and audience feedback. And I obviously evangelize that form of creation pretty heavily, but I am also aware of how different that is than creators that retreat more into their own personal space and create things more for themselves and on their own terms. And I would almost equate them more to artists than anything. And I've been having this debate with friends for years is what's the difference between art and creativity? Is there a material difference between someone who is really listening to data and actively creating for the public versus someone who just goes to the beat of their own drum and creates what they want to create? I'm learning as my definition of those words evolve. My conclusion is that both are correct with the only asterisk or nuance being if you opt for the road where you say, I want to create what I want to create, then you have to forego any and all external expectations. That includes? That includes profit. That's approval. Anything that you want to externally measure. Because otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. If you are measuring your success based on attention, views, profit, likes, approval, whatever it is, you inherently have to be aware of the audience that you are creating for. Because your measurement is external, which means your inspiration, in a sense, has to be external. But if you are creating solely for yourself, I applaud that, but then don't post on Twitter and be like, why is no one reading my stuff? You have to pick. You get one or the other is my personal point of view. If you're going to create for other people and you're in the business of creating, then let's measure attention and let's listen to what the data is telling us and let's optimize for views, opt-ins, or profit because you're actively playing the game of external metrics. And if you're not, and that's not what you want, then we're talking about a different game. Data helps you to focus on specifics, creating content that attracts and engages readers. Without it, most content is created with the intent of reaching the largest possible audience, which is rarely successful and leads to a waste of time and resources. How are you building your audience now? And how do you feel about the yeah. term building an audience? I'll be honest, I don't even really think about it like, where am I building my audience, which might be to a fault. I focus a lot more on the library. Something that I talk about all the time is I am obsessive about how do I build a library that's going to stand the test of time or at a minimum remain relevant for 10 years. And then that way, every new platform that comes out, any new thing that I want to jump on, I can just bring my library to that platform. And and I find that a lot of people don't think about it that way. But these platforms change and they go through cycles. So I think getting overly married to any one of them is a bit of a mistake. Whereas if you focus more on how do I just build this monumental, super valuable library of written content for myself, I can bring it wherever I want for the rest of my life. 
most people only have one or two or three original ideas in their lifetime. And all of their efforts are steps taken to refine that one idea. And when you take the approach of, I'm just gonna focus on building my library, what you're really doing is you're committing to the exploration of that one idea, the thing that's actually going to move the needle. Whereas if you're focusing on how do I build an audience, A, you're already focusing on the result, not the process that gets you there. Like building an audience is not a aim or a goal, it is an outcome. The goal should be, I wanna write things that warrant having an audience, or I wanna create things that attract an audience. When you commit to the process of refining that one idea, then over time, that one idea is what creates the gravitational pull. That's why everyone then starts to pay attention to you because your one big idea is so different because it took you 3000 steps in order to get there. But people don't think about it like that. They think the opposite. They're like, oh, if I just build an audience on one platform, then I'm done. Whereas if you have the one idea, I think like Tim Ferriss, right? Tim Ferriss had one idea. It's called the four hour work week. That was it. Like literally his entire career is built (laughs) off of one idea. And now he can take that one idea to any new platform, anything he does, any interview, any whatever. It's all one idea. And if that's the focus, then that's how you get your shot at standing out on the bookshelf of life. But if you don't have that one idea, then what are you working toward? Because you're just working toward kind of blending into everything else. Always remember that you need to fall in love with the process and not the outcome. Focusing on building a library will help you commit to refining one idea. And this is what separates the good from the greats. Your audience will be gravitating towards you throughout the journey. So there's no need to worry too much about that. And two, you have to detach yourself. I don't have the biggest audience on the internet. There are even days where it shocks me. (laughs) Sometimes I think I write really smart stuff and I'm like, why don't more people find me interesting? But at the same time, you have to remove yourself from that expectation. I shouldn't care whether I have 10,000 followers or 100,000 followers. I should care whether or not the work that I'm producing is actually different. And what I've started to realize, I have started this newsletter with two other guys called Category Pirates. And this might be some of the work that I'm most proud of ever. It it is so fascinating to me. And every time we put something out, I'm a fan of my own work and I really love it. And yet not that many people know about it yet or not that very many people read it. To me, that's a better measure of success. I would rather have a thousand subscribers, but be a fan of my own work and love what I'm producing than have a hundred thousand subscribers and be like, eh, my work isn't even that dope. I guess that's just a personal preference. Sometimes we create our own heartbreaks through expectations. And if you'd like to be fulfilled as a creator, follow Nicholas's advice. Use data in ways that help you tweak your decisions, not govern your life. Don't chase numbers, chase mastery. How do you actually go about making money now? My primary for the past four years has been ghostwriting. I have a ghostwriting agency called Digital Press and we'll ghostwrite articles for CEOs, founders, public speakers, VCs, and they're all opinion articles. And I've written probably 2,000 of them at this (laughs) point for 300 plus different people. But there's a bunch of different sources like Ship30 and Write the Ship is a newer business and I'm bullish on that stock. But Digital Press was my primary foundation and then I have ancillary income off of books that I've written. I wrote a memoir called Confessions of a Teenage Gamer. Those are a nice little income drip. I've done consulting. I'll do hourly power hours with people, consulting. I've done messaging, advising for companies. So once something I try and share with writers all the time is once you really understand the frameworks and basics and underlying principles of effective writing, and especially effective online writing, you can apply it to so 
many things. And you'd be astounded how much opportunity there is for really great writers out there. I'm convinced I'll never have a problem paying my rent ever again because the amount of people in the world that need help with thinking is everyone. And writing is thinking and writing is clarity of thought and companies need that clarity. And once you have that, you have a skill that can be monetized just for decades and decades. The thing that impresses me the most is that all of Nicholas's monetization channels source from writing. I don't know about you, but there's no better feeling than earning a living by exclusively doing what you love and enjoy. It's enabled Nicholas to do almost everything imaginable through writing, and he's explored the concept of category creation and how important it is to success. Let's learn more. Here's what personal category creation in the context of career looks like. So I graduate from college. I start working at an ad agency and I realize that I'm never going to make more than 40K a year at this ad agency. And I start looking around and I realize everybody on the internet is like blogger. It's the most overused term I've ever seen in my whole life. And I didn't even understand the level of category creation that I understand today. This was like seven years ago. But on some level, I understood if I call myself a blogger, then I'm going to immediately be lumped into this category category of writers that are like bottom feeders. And all of a sudden, I did it on accident, but some CEO reached out to me and he said, would you be willing to help other people with their writing? And he said to me, would you be willing to be my ghostwriter? I never heard the term before. And I didn't even know that this was a thing. The moment I started saying, hey, I'm not a blogger. I'm not a content writer. I am a ghostwriter. New category. If you are applying for a job, you are in the business of comparison because 100 people are applying for that job. And the only way that you step out of that game is you say, I'm going to create a different category for myself. I am purposefully making it difficult for you to compare me to someone. And by doing that, it raises the question, then how do I value you? And that's what you want. Here's a perfect example. Clubhouse, 10 months ago, raises 10 million bucks at a $100 million valuation. And then six months later, raises $100 million at a billion dollar valuation. And it's been like a year and a half. So how does that happen? The only way that happens is when investors go, I don't know how to value this thing. And the founders go, yeah, the way that we're thinking about it is this different type of category called spontaneous drop-in audio. How do we value that? Well, I don't know. Okay, so I guess we'll just start throwing numbers in the air. That can happen in terms of what career you have or what job you end up getting or what role you carve out for yourself. Category creation is all about evolving from the imitation game to forging a path of your own. And according to Nicholas Cole, the best way to do so is by making a clear distinction between what exists and what is new and different. What is your North Star metric for success? My one is, is what I'm creating today better than what I created yesterday? I'm like an old school writer that speaks the language of the digital world. And I care way more about mastering my craft, writing things that matter and pushing myself and wanting to be 80 years old and be like, wow, like legendary writer, what a career. That's what I want. Like I wake up every day and go, how am I gonna have a library more impressive than Ernest Hemingway? Or like Nabokov, that's my measure for success. Like I want to end up at that level. The game that I'm playing and the vision that I have is a lot bigger. And as always, we wrap it all up by answering the question. If you could send a tweet back to your start, what would it be? 
if I could send a tweet to my previous self, my yeah. former self. You can choose a time. This is your one use to the time machine. So I wrote a mini thread about it today, which is about, it's what we're talking about. This idea of if you're a creator, you're either creating for yourself and you have to let go of the expectations. You're creating for an audience and you're like very aware that you're playing that game or you're finding a blend of both. And it's been a very recent realization for me. And so I would love to send that back to 19 year old, socially inept and <laughs> emotionally challenged Cole. I would love that. But at the same time, I don't think he would have been able to hear it. And that's the irony of those types of questions. Like, I think I could go back and give him all the answers, but sometimes that's the whole point of the journey. That's how you learn.